from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's Super Friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan, that is Ryan, and we are without Matt, so it's another priceless edition of the show. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, doing well. Still, uh... Still getting used to these new rookies and new landing spots. I, I, yeah. I found a couple guys that uh, that I've got to I've got to check their teams every time I uh, I think about them, consider drafting them. Like, who, who, where'd this guy land? Where what team is he on? So I'm I'm still getting used to this new class. Yeah, the thing I'm doing the same thing, getting used to it. The thing that gets me is. I see other dynasty folks out there, other people drafting or paying more in auctions for players than I would. And it's making me second guess my, my thoughts on specific players. One that's caught my eye recently is one we're going to talk about on the show today. Of course, it's another rookie centric episode of the DLF dynasty podcast. We're going to talk rookie mini camp news and notes. That'll be fun. Get into a little bit of coach speak that we've heard on the microphones, get into some comments from these rookies. Maybe that can glean, we can glean some information, maybe dynasty related uh, off of some of that. Then we're going to compare new single quarterback ADP to read at redraft ADP to see if anything catches our eye. There, but first we better start in the rumor mail on the startup. The startup. Yeah, like I said, it's the rumor mill. We don't we don't dabble in rumors very often in the startup, but this one is newsworthy for sure. It's the Delvin Cook rumors. And Ryan really feels like these have been going on for months now with Cook and the Vikings. Yeah, it just it it just keeps happening, keeps coming back up. Um, you know, we got through the we got through free agency. He was still a Viking, and and you think maybe maybe he's going to hang on for another year, um, and then the rumors pop up again. And same thing with the the entire NFL draft cycle. He made it through day one, made it through day two of the draft, still a Viking. But then, just over the past week or so, these reports have have popped up again once again that. Uh, the team is unable to work out a uh, a renegotiated deal with Dalvin Cook, and that that means he's on his way out, whether it's via trade or uh, or or just a release. And it does seem like, at least based on these reports, that the Vikings are trying to kind of take care of their guy, send him to a team that he might want to go to. But I mean, we're also seeing with with even guys like Leonard Fournette and and Zeke Elliott that. 
there's not that many landing spots, especially for these veterans who, you know, have struggled to stay on the field or, or really just have their, you know, their issues in general. So sounds like the Vikings want to do right by Dalvin and, and put him in a nice landing spot but there's just not a lot of uh, demand for running backs right now. And really there's not a lot of great landing spots, right? Most of the teams that had that need have filled it here recently, whether it be through the draft or even free agency. And, and maybe there's just not that ideal landing spot for Delvin cook, but it feels to me, Ryan, that maybe the driving force or the fuel that keeps, uh, sparking this fire of the Delvin Cook trade rumors is that the team doesn't want to pay that salary moving forward. So it it kind of feels like the team doesn't want Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook would love to play on that big salary, get paid. Um, If push comes to shove, what's going to happen though? Is Cook going to get released at some point? Is that an option that's on the table at this point? Or are they just hoping that a suitor steps up to the plate and gives them something to unload that contract? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they would would welcome a trade at this point. You know, probably even even a, a day three pick they would take next year. But right. I mean, they do have they do have an out in his contract. He is due a uh, base salary of over ten million dollars uh, with with some other bonuses. I think the total cap hit comes out to uh, just over fourteen million for this upcoming season. But they've they've got an out in his deal right now. I mean, he's certainly not going to play out this contract, which uh, it it lasts three more years um, with the Vikings. So that's obviously not happening at this point. It doesn't look like he's even going to get uh, one more year with the team. But I think what makes this situation pretty interesting and, and honestly, we could maybe say the same thing for Joe Mixon and the Bengals, although that's, that one's kind of been a little more quiet lately is what's Except plan they B? were the one to take a uh, running back in the draft and, and potentially get a guy to help out there. Right. True. True. Uh, but Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota, I, I guess they grabbed uh McBride, I believe in, in day three. Oh, that's so, right. yeah. Um, but yeah, what, what's plan B is, is Alexander Madison plan B he was a, obviously a free agent. They re-signed him. Uh, and and he has played well when Dalvin Cook's been out of the lineup, but you know this team that that looks like a a contender for a playoff spot are they content to roll with with Dalvin Cook and McBride and uh, uh, who else is there uh, Nuangu. Nuangu yeah Nuangu like I think uh, Ty Chandler might still be there on that roster right. as well uh, it, has Madison shown enough that they would be confident in him uh to to basically hand him that starting job or maybe they pair uh maybe they pair madison with fournette zeke uh you know even kareem hunt uh that that would certainly be interesting yeah it certainly will i you know the the thing i keep coming back to is that the driving force is that the vikings want out of this contract i think it's kind of interesting ryan that we as dynasty managers have for years said, if Cook is missing, Alexander Madison will put up that kind of production. And he he's a, in dynasty circles, he's, he's an equal to Delvin Cook if he gets the workload. So it really feels like the Vikings are, are taking that same stance and saying, we think he's an equal. 
he will do the same kind of production or, or put up the same kind of production. And we just extended him for two years and seven million with six and a half guaranteed, uh, six and change guaranteed. And and they're just simply saying we we don't want to pay Dalvin Cook if we can get a similar player for for this bargain basement discount. I don't think there's a team that's going to step up and take that. You mentioned uh, Cook's contract. It, it, there's a big dead cap hit. I think it's about $8 million. It really feels to me that if push comes to shove and the Vikings need that cap space, they'll just cut Delvin Cook and move forward with Madison and a, a veteran. Or, or maybe they do see something in Nwongu or Chandler uh, or McBride that that makes them think that they'll get by for a year until or two until they draft the next big Vikings running back. Yeah, I mean this this conversation. Uh, I, I really like to have these player conversations, you know, on on or off the air because it really just kind of makes you start thinking about this about specific situations. Alexander Madison right now is RB thirty seven in our dynasty ADP. Mm. Um, not yet twenty five years old. He will turn twenty five uh, right around the start of the season, and again has played well when Dalvin Cook has been out of the lineup when he's been given a shot. I mean, even if even if Cook survives this, survives these rumors, and uh, and, and stays on the roster, Alexander Madison is a, a screaming dynasty buy at that ADP, a one fourteen overall, uh, just just based on the uh, injury history of Dalvin Cook. And uh, looking back, six games that Alexander Madison has played without Dalvin Cook over his career, and he's averaging over twenty fantasy points per game in those six Madison mixes in you mentioned that ADP of 114 with guys like David Montgomery Roshan Johnson Tajay Spears directly in front of him and then the running backs following him James Connor Khalil Herbert and Antonio Gibson followed by Tanks Bigsby and Jamal Williams so I think there is some value if there's something to come of this conversation it might be that that Madison is a bargain and a guy that we should be looking at on the trade market. If we're thinking about trying to snake a running back two from one of our competitors, uh, he's one, he's one transaction away really from that happening. Uh, That ADP will skyrocket for sure. So if you're a dynasty manager right now and you're looking for that kind of guy, Ryan, what what are you paying for a guy like Madison? What can you get him out there? You're not getting him for a third round pick or something like that. You're going to have to pay, uh, you're gonna have to pay up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, looking at those, you mentioned a couple names of rookie running backs, Spears and Roshan Johnson. Both of those guys going in that second round range, and I mean, we've talked about it over the past few weeks how big that second round tier is. So, you know, maybe those were early second rounders in your league. Maybe they were late second rounders. Uh, I mean, depending on the situation, I think you could conceivably get. Madison for a late second round rookie pick right now. Uh, of course, if the Dalvin Cook manager already has Madison on his roster, that might be a tougher uh, a tougher sale uh, sell to get that done. But um, but yeah, I think that's that would be my starting point. And if you're looking at a guy like Roshan Johnson, Tajay Spears, um, I mean Madison has a clearer path to playing time than those two guys do right now, and um, he's he's not a lot older than those those guys either. Yeah, I think I would go as high as a 
mid for mid second, you know, the the fourth, fifth, sixth pick in the second round, that sounds all right. If you had a late second and had to throw in your late third to get the job done, that might be a good move as well. Madison has some upside. I hate to say it about a Viking, but man, every time that guy carries the ball, my dynasty brain just lights up. Uh, it looks a lot like Delvin Cook in in the Vikings' eyes as well. Dynasty drum beats. Yeah, this is one we haven't done in a while. We haven't been talking dynasty drum beats, but the but the drums are are beaten all over the uh, the dynasty landscape right now, Ryan. And it's all about rookie minicamp and all these coaches talking about the players and these new toys they have. You know, I haven't seen a negative comment yet about any of these rookies, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how that works. Uh, you know, I, I think all of all of the talk we'll we'll cover here about these rookies is all just speculation. And um, I, I mean, our job as dynasty managers and, and players in a league is to try to figure out uh, where there's really some substance here and where it is just that that coach speak that we probably should ignore. Uh, or, or, you know, maybe even just, just kind of laugh at as we see it. But, uh, I mean, honestly, we should be thankful that there's no real news here because if there were news, that would probably mean a, a rookie minicamp injury. And, uh, for the most part, we didn't have any of those. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so let's try to, let's try to decipher what's going on here. And let's start right at the top of the draft with Bryce Young from, with the Carolina Panthers. Um, the news is, Pretty common, I guess, for the number one pick when it's a quarterback. Yeah. That guy has to earn that starting spot. He's going to start as the QB2. That happened in minicamp, but according to those watching that camp practice, made a pretty strong first impression. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. This is this is par for the course. And, um, I mean, we, we can talk about it, and it, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Andy Dalton starts the first couple weeks, but if if so, that's really all it's going to be because uh, we know this is going to be Bryce Young's uh, job sooner rather than later. And uh, yeah, I mean Andy Dalton is is just not going to serve as much of uh, a, a you know a, a problem for for Bryce Young to overcome. So yeah, I mean they're they're going to make him earn it, whatever that means to the Panthers and, and their coaching staff. But uh, we're we're going to see Bryce Young start the majority of the season, maybe maybe every game this season. Yeah, if he holds them off more than a week or two of the preseason, I'd be I'd be pretty impressed with Dalton there. Uh, keeping it at the quarterback position, Hendon Hooker. We all we all wonder maybe is he the next guy in Detroit? Is he going to take over under center at some point and be that franchise quarterback? It seems like Dan Campbell is trying to slow the roll of the media there in Detroit, mentioning that he's definitely going to have the red shirt year, that it's going to even be a long time potentially until we know if he's a franchise quarterback. Feels like Detroit has their guy for now and maybe for later, and they're just wanting to get a good long look at Hooker moving forward. I mean, honestly, Detroit and, and Dan Campbell, they should be happy if uh, if Jared Goff continues to hold off Hendon Hooker or or hold off anyone else, uh, Goff certainly played really well last year as as the Lions surprised a lot of teams, especially in in the back half of the season, and their offense became 
so fun to watch. And of course the, the big news uh, on, on the overall NFL landscape over the past week or so has been the schedule release and that the, the lions get that opener against the chiefs. And, you know, they're, they're kind of in the big leagues now. And um, I don't, I don't think we're going to see Hendon hooker anytime soon. So this is, this is a comment that, uh, not only I, I, I believe, but one that I really expected. I mean, you add in the uh, the injury issue that that Hooker is continuing to deal with as he recovers from that ACL, and I would I would be totally shocked if we see Hendon Hooker on the field at all for the Lions this year. And that, I think that's the expectation of most dynasty players at this point. Uh, the truth is he's a third round pick and a lot of dynasty managers, especially those that have been supporting him or thought he had big upside have said to themselves, well, he slipped to the third round because of those injuries, because of the questions surrounding that. And maybe thinking we still need to invest in him because he has that, that upside. And, and because he's in a situation that we all felt like, uh, could they could turn that offense over to a young, talented quarterback? I think you gave good advice there that that having a lot of ex, uh, expectations, maybe that's not the right the right thing for us to do at this point, and we should all preach a little bit of patience when it comes to Hooker moving forward. Don't you think though? Because I mean, the Hendon Hooker hype, right, really happened from uh, let's say combine to draft, right? Let's, right. That that six, eight week period, whatever that was, 10 weeks, whatever, where he started being projected as a first rounder and and all of those things. If we could somehow wipe that, that whole period out of our memory and we go back to what, what NFL draft analyst and what we as dynasty players thought about Hendon Hooker at the end of the college football season, I don't think there would really be much of a conversation here. It, it's Detroit took a, a a young quarterback. Maybe maybe I shouldn't say young. Detroit took a rookie quarterback <laughs> in the it, you know late in day two, and there just wouldn't be really there wouldn't be a whole lot of conversation around Hendon Hooker. It's it's only the talk that he could be a first round NFL draft pick that got us so interested in him in the first place. I think. Right now we're seeing him in super flex drafts going to the mid to late second round range. I would say I'm not real comfortable with him in that range uh, because of that, that expectation. It's going to be a minimum of a year, maybe even a minimum of two years before we see him on the field. And, and with third round draft capital, that, that kind of player usually doesn't get more than a couple games to show what they can do uh, before before they move on to the next guy. Let's yeah, uh, let's go on to him. to a guy that we're not going to be moving on from. It's Bijan Bijan Robinson with Atlanta. Uh, head coach Arthur Smith called him more than a running back. Uh, Bijan also told reporter that Smith uses him everywhere from running back to receiver. So these are the things that dynasty managers like. Our guy Matt Price love to hear more than a running back catching passes. We need that PPR uh, upside with Bijan. He showed it at Texas. He sounds like he's going to show it at, in Atlanta as well. Yeah, I mean the the Falcons need more than a running back, right? I mean they yeah. have, they have <laughs> Drake London, they have Kyle Pitts. They they won't use them. And, I don't know how they're really... going to get Bijan to play running back and slot receiver at the same time, though. They just don't have much on that death chart. I mean, they bring <laughs> right. in 
they bring in Mac Hollins, who, you know, is it, it, he is what he is. That's that's a fine addition. But still, if Mac Hollins is uh, projected as your wide receiver, too, you're, you're not in great shape. So, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe they'll throw to him. Maybe they'll put Tyler Algier in the backfield and, and uh, slip Bijan out, you know, into the slot or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But they don't throw to their receivers or really anybody else anyway. So. Um, yeah. I mean, Bijan's going to, Bijan is going to do it all. He's already being viewed as one of the most talented backs in the league. And, uh, I, I would say rightfully so. Um, but when it comes to use in the passing game, like I want, I want proof that this team can use their wide receivers before I'm worried about how they're going to use their running backs in the passing game. Yeah. Well, Bijan, I don't think anybody's worried about him, but more, no. more to come on Bijan later in this episode. Let's go to another running back, Jameer Gibbs, the next guy that was taken in the draft and taken higher than, than most of us expected. He missed those OTA practices or at least parts of them. I think all of them uh, with a minor mm-hmm. an- ankle injury, uh, according to the coaching staff, he's expected back for OTAs next month. Ryan, are you, are you worried at all? Not worried yet, but certainly something I'm going to be watching. I mean, the, you know, the sub 200 pound thing was a big narrative and it was not something I was worried about. Uh, But to have an injury, even a minor one right off the bat is it's, it's just something to, you know, to put down in your notebook um, and and see what happens. I believe they have uh, another one of these mini camps before training camp actually opens. I think that's correct. Yep. Um, uh, so I'll I'll be watching and and looking at news when that comes around to see if if he's back on the field. Uh, need that I mean, blurb. We, need that highlight yeah. of him with the big cut. And yeah, God, yep, that's what we're looking for. And then we forget all about this news. Yeah, I, I hope that's how it goes. Uh, let's talk about Tyje Spears. He's man. He's he's one of our favorites. Certainly mm-hmm. a guy that impressed us at the combine and impresses everybody that watched him throughout college and and will do the same in Tennessee. But that that blurb or that that report uh, from Ian Rappaport during the NFL draft that and he's missing an ACL that caught every dynasty manager's eye and ear throughout the draft. He says he's perfectly fine and called himself healthy. When asked about that ACL, Spears isn't worried about it. Should dynasty managers be? Uh, I, I worry more about the situation right now than I do the the lack of an ACL. I mean, this is this is a team unless they do move on from Derrick Henry before the season begins, and you know, every day that goes by, it's looking more and more uh, unlikely that Henry is moved we're just not going to see any of the backups play much of a role here. I mean, this is a Derrick Henry dominant uh, offense and dominated backfield. Uh, Obviously his past three healthy seasons, Henry has averaged over 70% of the carries. uh, Obviously one of the highest numbers in the league. So Spears, uh, you know, I can't even remember who else do they, they, they brought in a rookie last year that we, we liked and he didn't end up mattering. Right. Like, yeah, the guy from, from Michigan, Hassan Haskins. Yeah. Haskins still there. As long as Henry is, is in the lineup, none of these guys matter. So we talked about a red shirt season for Hendon hooker. This could be a red shirt season for Tajay Spears. Uh, if Derek Henry is on that roster. 
Yeah, it's the, the list is pretty long as far as Titans running backs that they've drafted in the second or third day and and they've they've kind of come and gone and we we never really see him on the field cuz Henry's so good. We'll see if Spears does more than that. His ADP has slipped slightly from the expectation, I would say, yeah. uh pre-draft, but he's still hanging around there in the second round and there's there's questions for sure with that. I would say in Dynasty, we play in three- and four-year windows. That might be the window of Spears' career with that ACL news. I'm, I'm a little concerned about it. I know you mentioned you're more concerned about the the situation there. I am too. But the longevity of his career seems to be a question mark, uh, or at least it is for me. I, I, man, he seemed to need that ACL to be able to cut. Uh, a guy who has both ACLs and certainly can cut, it's Devin A-Chain with the Miami Dolphins third-round pick. Mike McDaniels, there were multiple reports here in the last couple of weeks, Ryan, that McDaniel was adamant. He lobbied heavily for the team to select Devin A-Chain. What does that do to his value dynasty-wise? Does that just cement him in as a guy you're you're interested in when maybe maybe we wouldn't be quite as much with that whole third-round draft capital and, and you never really know with these kind of guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, McDaniel's uh, excitement in general, but specifically his excitement for uh, for Devon A-Chain is, uh, you know, it's certainly encouraging. And I think some of the other, some of the questions around the other running backs, uh, some of the iffy landing spots or surprisingly low draft draft capital for some of those backs, uh, paired, with, uh, paired with A-Chain's landing spot has just pushed him up into that RB three, four seat there in the, in the back part of the first round of, of rookie drafts. So yeah, I think a lot of people are are really excited about a chain and how the dolphins uh, will, will use him. Obviously he's not going to be an every down back type of guy. So it's, it's just a matter of uh, how many touches does he get, but uh, it is at his current price point, both in rookie drafts and in, in startup drafts, I'm I'm willing to to find out. Yeah, me too. I I certainly like the price point when it comes to Devin A Chain and and love that a guy like Mike McDaniel who really quickly to me I I've come to trust that guy. He he feels yep. like a, a a head coach that when he speaks I want to listen because he's not going to give us that Pete Carroll BS that we we get from time to time. He he tells it like it is, and when I hear these reports. I think A chain has high upside because of it, especially the running game. Absolutely, yep, yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of running backs, how about Kendra Miller with New Orleans? Assistant GM uh, Jeff Ireland said it was too good to be true when Miller was available in the third round. Said he has huge upside, and with everything surrounding that backfield there in New Orleans right now, Ryan. Uh, it's a it's a crowded one for sure, but there are there are question marks throughout. What are your thoughts on Kendra Miller and all the hype with him so far in this offseason post draft? Yeah, certainly like the landing spot. I would say the landing spot uh, and the draft capital were both big wins for Kendra Miller. Um, mm-hmm. The the health status and injury status still a little bit of a question mark um, as far as when he'll actually be ready, uh, if he'll be ready for the start of the season and, uh, and, and things like that, because that, that start of the season is going to be potentially uh, a huge opportunity for Miller 
as well as for Jamal Williams with the possible uh, Alvin Kamara suspension for, you know, with his off field issues. So yeah, like you said, a crowded backfield. Um, it feels like, I mean, it just feels like Alvin Kamara is, is not long for that team. You know, this could, this could certainly be his final season with the team and uh, may not even get to play the full season. So um, the, to me, the best part about Kendra Miller is his ADP while it has uh, climbed somewhat, uh, it hasn't, it hasn't gotten out of control based on this landing spot and, and the draft capital. Yeah. So the 80, that's the, I, I teased it earlier, the conversation about players that, that maybe the hype is getting a little higher than what we expected. Miller was the guy I was talking about. Oh, actually. really? Okay. Yeah. It, and in the ADP, every time I check, I, I continue to look on DLF and, and look at all these mock drafts and, and these actual drafts. Kendra Miller is not a highly drafted player, but we're in all these kitchen sink leagues and we don't see a lot. There, there's some Debbie players and all that stuff. But Miller is the gets the most money, more money than I expect in every single auction that I'm in. And he's he's overdrafted from time to time, in my estimation. Uh, you even see him as a fringe first round pick in some leagues. So, you know, it seems like there's a dynasty manager in almost every league that loves Kendra Miller, the player, the landing spot, the the draft capital, something about him. And that pushes his value up. I, I'm not quite on board, and I'm wondering if I'm missing something. It seems like seems like you might be closer to paying that price for him. Yeah, I guess so. I I feel like uh, the RB three, four, five tier is, is very tightly packed, and I think it's Charbonnet, uh, A Chain, and Kendra Miller. Uh, in fact, uh, our our latest ADP has it uh, has it with those three guys as, uh, as in that late first, early second round range, a chain as RB three, Charbonnet RB four, Kendra Miller RB five. I, I prefer you don't Charbonnet. Have any problem with, with somebody taking, taking Miller at, at, with the 12th pick in a rookie draft then. No, no, not at all. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, I, and I, I'm a little scared, scared of it, uh, with that, that crowded backfield and, and maybe it's part of, my thoughts coming into the draft process about Miller. That's clouding my judgment there. Well, that's, that's the biggest challenge of this whole season, right? I mean, is, is taking what we thought pre-draft whether it's it's value or what we saw on film or whatever, and mixing that with this new information that uh, that the NFL tells us and how much do we weigh that new information? Do we totally change our rankings because the NFL didn't like, you know, a, a player that we loved, you know, mm-hmm. Izzy Abanacanda look, looking at you. Um, <laughs> and, and if it, if it goes to an extreme, like, it, you know, honestly, like it did with the Abanacanda, if I thought he was going to be a third rounder and he's a fifth rounder with the, with a poor landing spot, you've got to react to that. And I think Kendra Miller is the opposite example. I thought he could be a day three pick. He got into day two and he got what I think is a great long-term landing spot not even 21 years old yet. Definitely a player I'm I'm willing to invest in. I do see a going back to the running back tiers. I see a a value gap between he and guys like Roshan Johnson mm-hmm. and Tyshay Spears. Uh, I I like those guys as well, but um you know those are looking at our leagues, you mentioned those kitchen sink auctions. Those are players that are available that were not necessarily on the Devi radar 
this time last year. And if I've got a choice between Miller, Roshan Johnson and, and Spears, it's a pretty easy choice. Yeah. You better have double the, 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 uh, auction dollars to get Miller than uh, than Spears in some case, it feels like to me. We'll see how it plays out. I like Miller too. Like him just fine in the second round. Uh, not so sure I like him so much at 11-12 uh, in the first round. Let's uh, clump some of these guys together. We got Zach Evans with the Rams. Uh, Sean McVay said he has special traits, whatever that means. Kenny McIntosh with Seattle. This one's great. Head coach Pete Carroll called him special. And said he easily could have gone in the third round, although he certainly didn't. Uh, also said he's already a leader in the running back room. And then De- Deuce Vaughn with the Cowboys, expected to be used as a quote-unquote weapon and could win the RB2 job. Uh, I wonder if he could dig into Pollard's workload. These three guys, any, anything really jump out to you other than Pete Carroll just, just spewing garbage out of his mouth like normal? I mean, McVeigh and Pete Carroll, those are like... <laughs> They're very different types of guys and types of coaches, but they're, they're West coast guys for sure. Right? Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. They're both, they're both uh, good examples of West coast guys. And I don't believe a word they say. Um, I mean, Kenny McIntosh is a leader in the running back room. If that's the truth, uh, we have you're in trouble. You're in trouble. <laughs> if, if, if your second rounders, uh, whether it's Kenneth Walker or uh, Zach Charbonnet are, are not stepping up and being leaders and, you know, those, those running backs. I mean, Kenneth Walker has not been in a running back room with those two would, would be my guess. Um, I mean, the Macintosh pick is interesting after you had already added uh, Charbonnet. Maybe it makes me think that they did have him a lot higher ranked than, yes, than other that's what players I was on say. his board. So and I, I was if anything, Pete Carroll loves running backs and, <laughs> and he should know what he wants in, at that position. So uh, he swung and missed plenty in the past, though, when it comes to, to tailbacks. I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, of these guys, of these late round guys, are, are you especially interested in anybody? Well, I mean, I think Evan still stands out above the rest. Uh, we liked yeah. him so much more. You know, even if you had questions about him like I did, you still liked him so much more with than, than guys like McIntosh or Vaughn, even though he fell into the same uh NFL draft range as those guys, but the landing spot is, is great. And, uh, you know, you go back and look at kind of his pedigree as a, as a high school recruit, as a college athlete. And I mean, if we're talking that mid to late third round range and beyond, those are the types of guys I would rather gamble on than, than Seattle's RB4. Absolutely. I agree completely with that. Let's talk about Tank Dell. I wish Matt was here for this one. I thought that the only reason I put him on the list here, Ryan, was because he he apparently he got close with uh, quarterback C.J. Stroud at the NFL Combine. And I, I read this blurb and I thought, man, that that's interesting. He actually called C.J. Stroud uh, before day two of the NFL draft and said, tell those guys in Houston to, to pick me. Come come get me is was the quote. And, you know, just to have that kind of moxie stand and tell the, the next quarterback to do that, whether he did it or Stroud did it or the team listened to him, whatever, I, I just kind of like it about Tank Dell. And, you know, we keep talking about him in the third round, and he's small, and there's so many red flags. I like him a little bit, and, and this story just kind of confirms everything I already know about him. He's a pretty cool dude. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the Texans brass are are some pushovers. That it, it doesn't <laughs> take much to uh, to get them to use a a, a pick on a, a wide receiver. But yeah, I mean, if Dell and Stroud have some kind of friendship relationship on the field, then that that can't hurt. That can only be right. a good thing. Um, the depth chart doesn't hurt either. There, there's not a lot of talent at the top of that depth chart at receiver. No, that depth chart has changed a lot this off season. Right. Uh, you know, the addition of Dell, they, they bring in Robert Woods. I think they signed Noah Brown from Dallas as well. Uh, they trade away Brandon cooks, Nico Collins, still there, John Mechie, you know, thankfully getting um, positive reports and looks like he'll be ready to get on the field for the first time in his career. So, um, it it's suddenly a crowded depth chart, but none of those names are necessarily uh, imposing or, uh, you know, really, really any of that group could, could rise to the top and, and be a top target for CJ Stroud. Let's talk about the tight end position a little bit before we move on, Ryan. Uh, Sam Laporta with Detroit beat reporter, Colin Pouncey is calling him the best player on the field at minicamp by a large margin and then Dalton Kincaid in Buffalo reports now that he could be used as a wide receiver this season seems like that would have to be in the slot and they already got some slot receivers up there in Buffalo this sound like just just beat reporters talking or is there something dynasty managers should be gleaming off of this I mean I really like Laporta he was a player that I I Every time I updated my rankings pre-draft, he was moving up my my boards, um, and, and then that that was kind of validated as the Lions drafted him higher than uh, most people expected. But I mean, to call him the best player on the field in rookie minicamp, they drafted <laughs> they drafted four players on offense. Uh, Jameer Gibbs did not participate in minicamp. Hendon Hooker did not participate in minicamp. Laporta did, and they they drafted Antoine Green uh, late in the draft, a seventh round, I believe. So, yeah, I, I, he better have been the best player <laughs> on the field. I hope he was, um, but I'm I'm not pulling much from that one. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I love Laporta. Uh, he he's going to be the starter at, at tight end for that team, and it's going to be a fun uh, a fun team to watch for sure. I, I mean, the kids thing. Does he catch forty passes though in that offense? Sure. Yeah. 40 passes. Yeah. Yeah. I can, that's, I can that's buy about that. the range that, you know, hey, if that's all it takes, tight ends don't he, catch he much do more that. than that in their rookie seasons. I think he can. I'll, I'll, I'll okay. take the over. Are, are we going back to the over under game? I'll go. Yeah, the, yeah. I'll take the over <laughs> on, uh, on 40 catches for Laporta. Um, the Kincaid thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. Like that's, th- those are easy dots to connect with, uh, with Dawson Knox already on the roster as a, you know, kind of the traditional tight end type. Uh, and, and really honestly, the, the wide receivers after Stefan Diggs disappointing uh, on, on an annual basis, really. So um, yeah, it is, it is crowded as you said, but Kincaid might be the most talented uh, pass catcher on that team, not named Stefan Diggs. Yeah, perhaps that's the case. I, you know, I love Sam Laporta going back to his Iowa days, man. He's, he is a good tight end. I think he's going to come along slow. And I I wouldn't be surprised if he catches 32 passes for 301 yards and one touchdown or something like that. And he mixes in with these veterans that they have. And then his surge comes in year two or three, like we see with a lot of these tight ends, but Laporta has, has big time upside. I just, I just think we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit, calling him 
the next big thing or anything like that. It's, it's not going to be a rookie season thing for Sam Laporta, in my opinion. Uh, let's move on. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, let's check out some brand new May startup ADP. We're going to mix in the rookies, and then we're going to, just for fun, compare it to current underdog Best Ball Mania 4 ADP, which is probably the most accurate redraft ADP at this point in the offseason. These guys are sure. playing. Well, I shouldn't say these guys. We are playing uh, playing for real money over there on underdog, and that's creating an ADP that I think we can trust for redraft uh, purposes at this point. So um, let's start at the top right now, Ryan, and, and just compare, compare these ADPs and check out the gap between DLF and underdog and see if we're missing anything. It starts with Bijan at the top. He is RB1 on DLF, RB2 on underdog. How do you feel about that? Uh, I think, I mean, it, I think it's spot on as far as the dynasty ADP goes, he's been mm-hmm. the RB one for uh, a few months now, really essentially since he uh, entered our database and, and became part of the league in that way. So no surprise there, I guess maybe it's more of a surprise that he's the, also the uh, one of the top two running backs in redraft as well. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, I believe is the, uh, the RB one in that format currently. So he hasn't, hasn't overtaken McCaffrey, but, uh, he's on top. He he's on top of the list. Other than that, I mean, ahead of guys like Jonathan Taylor and, and Austin Eckler. Um, I don't know. I mean, it feels, it feels a little rich. Maybe that's rookie fever taking over in the redraft, uh, format. I mean, I, I think I would still prefer Eckler over Bijan, but, you know, when you when you draw that six or seven or eight spot in a in one of these best ball mania drafts and and, you know, maybe you're a dynasty player that doesn't have the one one, you know, you're not going to get Bijan Robinson on one of your rosters. It's it's pretty tempting to grab him there in the middle of the first round and and just see what happens in his rookie season. Guilty. I've done yeah. it. <laughs> Me too. A few times. I'm going to take JT <laughs> over him in other places, though, in this best ball mania for uh, setup as well. How about Jameer Gibbs, the Detroit running back, DLF, Dynasty ADP of six, underdog ADP of 13. That suggests high expectations for Gibbs as a rookie. I mean, I really like Gibbs. I'm really intrigued by the talent like like everyone else is, but it feels like both of those ADPs are a little high to me. I mean, you look at underdog ADP, and uh, by the way, this this underdog ADP comes from our friends at 4 for 4, so definitely uh, <clears throat> check that out. That's updated every single day. Um, but Jameer Gibbs ahead of Najee Harris and Kenneth Walker and Aaron Jones and um, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess there's a lot of running backs with questions right now. Uh, and maybe, maybe we overlook those questions for guys like Jameer Gibbs and, and Bijan Robinson as well. But yeah, I'm, I, I was surprised to see him that high really in both sets of data that we're looking at here. Yeah. I, it feels to me, it's not like there's no questions when it comes to Gibbs. We're we're drafting no, him in best ball mania yeah. based on pure upside and the unknown of a rookie. That that might be five spots too high. Um, I'm gonna put my foot in my mouth if he finishes the season as the RB eight though. 
let's go to wide receivers. We didn't get much wide receiver news outside of the Tank Dell quote unquote news uh, up there in Dynasty drum beats. But Jackson Smith and Jigba, he has a Dynasty ADP of wide receiver 15, wide receiver 29 in underdog. Are you concerned about the, the the depth chart in Seattle? They already have a couple of playmakers on the perimeter. They're known as a run-first team. JSN has to fill that slot void. And and really, the, the Seahawks, I don't know if the expectation is going to be that they're going to handle three wide receivers putting up big numbers. I, I certainly wouldn't expect that. Um, feels like that underdog ADP might be a little bit high. Yeah, it really does because of exactly what you're saying. And um, I mean, the immediate reaction, we've talked about it here on the show uh, that that we were hanging out together for the draft, the immediate reaction in the room where we were, as well as, you know, what we saw kind of taking place on Twitter was after the first round, you know, JSN is, is still the dynasty wide receiver one in rookie drafts. But if you're talking redraft, We'd rather have Jordan Addison. We'd rather have Quentin sure. uh, Johnston, maybe even prefer Zay Flowers. And that's not how it has played out. Uh, those guys, and we'll talk about them in a moment, those guys are all still behind uh, JSN in even in redraft ADP. And, and he's my, again, he's my dynasty wide receiver one in the class, but he would not be my, my top rookie choice in, in a redraft league in a, in an underdog draft or a typical redraft league. I'm, I want Addison ahead of him. And, and like I said, maybe even a couple of these other guys because of the exact situation that you laid out here with the, with the Seattle running game with both Lockett and DK Metcalf. I mean, those guys are good and uh, you know, knock on wood, they have been healthy. They have not missed much time at all uh, over the past few seasons. So it's not a, you know, it's not a Chargers situation where we can say those guys are always hurt. They needed Quentin Johnston. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's tough to see. It's tough to tell that story where JSN is a, a top 25 wide receiver this year. Yeah. Does that, does that make you question the DLF ADP over there at 15 uh, wide receiver 15? Uh, or, or are you comfortable there? Um, does, does he feel like maybe the wide receiver that instead of buying him now, you wait a year and buy him a year from now? No, not really. Because I mean, we, we've talked about this yeah, on Lockett the show before be as well. You can't do that then. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if Lockett's gone and really, even if Lockett's not, I mean, you talk about guys like Traylon Burks and, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm losing some names here, but basically wide rookie wide receivers from a year ago that you might not think had uh, necessarily an impressive rookie season. Jahan Dotson would be another, uh, they've still gained value. they still have that higher ADP now than they did this time yeah. last year. So uh, it, it might be tough for JSN to gain value from this wide receiver 15 spot, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Yeah, he he's not going to lose very much, if any. Uh, how about yeah. Jordan Addison? Uh, you mentioned him there. DLF ADP of wide receiver 23. Underdog ADP, uh, just 11 spots later, wide receiver 34. I kind of like this one, this underdog ADP. I think I'm investing right around there, him playing across from Justin Jefferson. 
Yeah, I, I have been investing. He's another guy I've been uh, grabbing on quite a few of these underdog teams. Uh, and, and looking at his uh, DLF, his dynasty ADP, I think he's a value there as well. He's behind yeah. Chris Godwin. Um, you know, he's six years younger than Chris Godwin, and he's right behind him in our ADP. Give me Addison over Godwin for sure, uh, and, and could argue he could maybe even move up a couple of other spots. So uh, unlike JSN, I think Addison might be a, a little undervalued. Yeah, he's, he feels a little bit undervalued, maybe maybe across the – across the entire spectrum of dynasty and, and redraft alike. Um, Maybe people aren't quite realizing how great a situation he got with that first round uh, draft capital and that great landing spot with the bikes. Uh, Quentin Johnston, you mentioned his name as well. He falls right in line as far as DLF and underdog 26 in dynasty ADP wide receiver 43 in underdog. This one, I wonder if if maybe underdog uh, drafters are thinking are continuously thinking, man, there's so many injuries with Mike Williams over there in Los Angeles. We have to we have to get Quentin Johnston now. Um, I like Quentin Johnston with a DLF uh, a dynasty ADP of wide receiver 26. Not sure. I I think Johnston's going to put up wide receiver 43 numbers in his rookie season, however. Yeah, I mean that that's a risky one. Um I mean here you are almost counting on an injury. It it maybe it's more likely to come. Again, it's it's of course tough to predict injuries, but we've seen a little bit more with the Chargers unfortunately. Um I mean, I don't know. I'm looking at these these wide receivers. Gabe Davis is ahead of Quentin Johnston in ADP and you and I had this conversation last year with with underdog and and specifically Gabe Davis where he had like a second or third round ADP and uh, I don't know I'm starting to think Gabe Davis is an investor in ADP maybe <laughs> the ADP is always way too high he should be I mean he should be two or three rounds lower this is crazy yeah it certainly is Zay Flowers is, has a DLF ADP of wide receiver 30 underdog ADP of wide receiver 44 we we don't typically think, man, we need to get our hands on some Baltimore wide receivers. That's the that's the ticket to fantasy glory. But Zay Flowers at wide receiver forty four, wide receiver thirty in dynasty. How do you how do you feel that uh, that on the teeter totter of values in fantasy? How's that how's that shake out? I mean, I think my first impression was maybe he's too low in dynasty. And then you really look at the wide receiver list and the guys above him, Burks, Ridley, Judy, Johnston, Ayuk, McLaurin, Addison. And Hard you to just find realize, a lot of names there. You, yeah. yeah, you just realize how deep the wide receiver position is right now. So I think it's probably spot on in dynasty. Uh, in redraft, he's, he's one spot behind Quentin Johnston. So I, I think... Um, you know, I would almost echo what I said with uh, with Johnston as far as the value goes. Certainly should be ahead of Gabe Davis. And uh, you've got a couple others that could be maybe pushed down as well. I mean, uh, Deontay Johnson is, is ahead of those two guys. I'd probably gamble on uh, the upside of, of both Johnston and Zay Flowers uh, versus a guy like that. But all in all, I think I think he's in about the right spot in both. Here's the one I wanted to talk about most. It's Zach Charbonnet. We talked about oh, that yeah. Seattle situation. 
He's at RB26 in Dynasty. Just RB32 in Underdog. Um, six spots just separating that redraft ADP and the Dynasty ADP. Feels like the the redraft community thinks Charbonnet has some upside here, and, and maybe we're not valuing that on the Dynasty side. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm a buyer of Charbonnet uh, at both of these ADPs, both in, in Underdog and in Dynasty. Uh, I mean, you see Miles Sanders, Dalvin Cook, Cam Akers ahead of him in uh, the Dynasty ADP. I think he's probably uh, five or six spots too low uh, in, on the running back list in Dynasty. In uh, At Underdog, we see that small gap, as you said, just six spots between where he's being valued in Dynasty and in redraft. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the guys that's helping push that ADP up because I've been grabbing him almost every chance I get when I see his name at the, you know, close to the top of the queue. I'm, uh, I'm hitting that button, especially in that best ball format where we don't have to decipher the Seattle backfield on a week to week basis. I love him in that format. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think he's a value in, in both formats right now. Yeah, I certainly do as well. He's a guy I've come around on since draft yep. night, since he yep. since he was picked by the Seahawks, when we all kind of felt that that buzz wear off and we were bummed out a little bit that he, he lands in the same backfield as another second-round running back from a year ago that we were valuing so highly. That uh, That's worn off now, and it feels like he is a value uh, no matter which side you're playing on. Anthony Richardson. Just one spot difference from dynasty to underdog D- on DLF. He's quarterback nine in underdog quarterback 10. The expectations are high for Richardson and, and they're really high uh, to start off in, in year one. That makes me think that if these underdog guys are right, if this redraft community is right, we are not valuing Anthony Richardson correctly. You're chasing upside in in redraft well, or with both in, of them, in underdog in underdog. Yeah, yes, true. So Anthony Richardson at quarterback ten already in in redraft might seem crazy to some people, uh, but but I totally get it based on the upside that that we think Richardson has. It honestly, it's kind of a similar conversation to Bijan Robinson, and you know it, it's noteworthy that those two guys had the smallest gap. Uh, every single player that we're we're talking about here had a higher dynasty positional ADP than than redraft. Uh, but uh, both Bijan Robinson and and Anthony Richardson separated by just one spot. So essentially, you could argue that their their redraft ADP is similar, or their redraft value is similar to their dynasty value. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, do you think? Is there a chance that at quarterback, uh, at quarterback nine ahead of Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott and, and Kyler Murray, there's no way Anthony Richards, Richardson can be undervalued in Dynasty, right? No, I don't think so. But let me throw that back at you with a with a similar but completely different question. If Anthony Richardson is the quarterback ten. In, in fantasy this year, as underdog ADP suggests those, those drafters are valuing him, there is no way he should have been the DLF uh, dynasty ADP quarterback nine. Then he'll be the, he'll be like the quarterback three next year. If he puts up quarterback 10 numbers this season. 
Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I guess that's correct. But looking at the names a- ahead of him, I would say seven of them are very, very solid. And, and it's the names everyone knows. Mahomes. Yeah, you Allen, don't have Hertz. the risk with those guys. Right. And and I guess, well, a couple of things I want to throw out. It, it's maybe the same conversation that we had about Jalen Hurts this time last year saying mm-hmm. if, if Hertz does it again, he's definitely rising. He's definitely moving up ADP. But a year ago, did you feel comfortable putting Hertz ahead of Lamar Jackson or Trevor Lawrence or, or Justin Herbert? You just couldn't do it at that point, even if you kind of saw it coming. And, and, you know, maybe you got aggressive and overpaid, right? Air quotes overpaid with uh, Dak Prescott and, and a pick or, or Deshaun Watson and, and a pick or something like that. And that, that looks great now. Um, so could Anthony Richardson move up? Sure. He could, he's 20 years old and, uh, and can run, you know, can run and can throw and, and picking out the guys that he's going to uh, overtake is, is the tricky part. I, I will say I did a, I saw some conversation and I wanted to put up a Twitter poll over the past weekend Justin Fields versus uh, versus Anthony Richardson. Just who do you want in a super flex league? And of course, Justin Fields won that. I mean, he has the higher ADP and 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 had a, a very solid season this past year. But it was like sixty. It was like sixty five uh, thirty five. So I mean, there was still a large percentage of the of the respondents right now who wanted Anthony Richardson over Justin Fields and. If we look at the eight guys that are above him right now in the dynasty ADP, it's got to be Fields who would be the first one that comes to mind that he could overtake. Well, and and it's an interesting conversation, one we we can't really have, but but really that's the path, right? He has to do the Fields thing where, with all the rushing upside and all those fantasy points uh, coming from his legs to generate that kind of buzz and and really push him up ADP. So. It's it's really it's a fun conversation and certainly one we have to have over over the course of this offseason. Richardson is just he's mind boggling because every time I think about him and his dynasty upside, I I think a different thing. I, I I'm on a different path. Uh, let's talk about Devin A. Chain again. He has a DLF dynasty ADP of 28, an underdog ADP of 35. So just seven spots different here. The redraft community values A-Chain as a high upside guy, just like us over here on the dynasty side. Are we undervaluing A-Chain? Uh, yeah, we might be. Um, just a little, again, I think so. A little bit. RB28, uh, I mean, you talk about upside. Isaiah Pacheco is a, above him. Miles Ooh. Sanders is above him. Dalvin Cook is above him. Uh, some of the same names that we said with Charbonnet. So... Yeah, I mean the upside, the the maybe, right? The maybe of Devon Achain is something that I'd rather have versus the safety, I guess, of of, of Isaiah Pacheco. So we're we're probably not way off. We as the as the dynasty ADP community here, we're probably not way off. But RB twenty eight, let now let's put him in that 24, 25 range. Kendra Miller could probably they're probably be an argument for the same thing there he's rb30 in dynasty rb44 though in underdog so a little bigger gap there there there's definitely a difference between his dynasty value and his redraft value considering that 
that depth chart that's so stacked down there in New Orleans. Yeah, and I really think there should be a gap here. I, I understand yeah. the gap. I mean, not only the injury that I mentioned earlier with Miller and when will he be ready, um, but, I mean, if even if we knew that Kamara was suspended for the first six games, we're talking about, a, you know, Jamal Williams ready to step in, and he's already shown he can handle a backfield by himself uh, if, if necessary. So um, is Kendra Miller going to beat out uh, – Jamal Williams, the first six weeks, I, I doubt it. You know, he'll be lucky to earn a, uh, you know, the, the, the RB two job in that scenario. And then Kamara comes back. So I, I get, I get Kendra Miller at RB 44 in, in the redraft, uh, in, in underdog leagues. Yeah. We, we wanted to get to Dalton Kincaid, wanted to talk about Jonathan Mingo and Rashi Rice. We're going to have to wait till later to talk about those guys. We're out of time Uh, for everybody uh, here at the DLF dynasty podcast, Matt, who's away this week for Ryan. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.